It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The World in 10. It's your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Laura Cook. Coming up on today's podcast, we find out more about the latest developments in the case of Madeleine McCann. Plus, we find out more about the man who's been tasked with sorting out the world's second biggest charity. And here's a question for you. How do you make lawn bowls more attractive to the younger generation? All that coming up in the next 10 minutes. We start with a story which has gripped the world for, well, 16 years now. The disappearance of Madeleine McCann. She vanished just days before her fourth birthday while holidaying with her parents in the Portuguese resort of Praia de Luz. In the latest development, police have searched a beauty spot. It's 30 miles from where she went missing and has a link to the main suspect in her disappearance. He's a convicted German sex offender. His name is Christian Bruckner. And it's understood police have found a relevant clue. Times correspondent David Brown has been at that search in Portugal and told the world in 10 more about it. I was watching them bring out bags. Uh, It's not, fortunately, it's not... uh, linked directly to Madeline, I don't think. It's not remains. They were, they've said that they were searching not just for uh, Madeline's body, but for clothing, also electronic items. We know that Christian Bruckner, the prime suspect, used to like recording his sex attacks. And we know they found uh, USB cards with awful pictures and videos on. Perhaps that's what they're looking for. What I thought was interesting, there's been a suggestion that this is perhaps a last throw of the dice, that uh, it's a random search. It certainly wasn't that case. I've been on enough uh, crime scenes to know this is a, uh, a very significant operation. From what David's saying, it looks like the police are onto something. We asked him how long it might be before we have some answers. They have issued a statement uh, saying that it's going to take time. Uh, the material they've recovered, the items they found, the soil samples, they're all being taken back to Germany and the police vans they bought here. I, I know that these sort of tests can take a number of weeks. They took quite a lot of stuff away. Uh, so I don't think we're going to have any immediate response. And the Germans are slightly playing it down. You know, let, let's not get too excited. But they, they didn't walk away with a look of disappointment. I think this is a, an operation well carried out. And if there's anything there, there's a good chance they found it. Why not take out a Times subscription so you can keep up to date with developments as they happen?
Now to a 56-year-old charity worker from the city of Birmingham who's been brought in to help turn around the fortunes of the world's second largest charity. Caritas is the Vatican's sprawling charity operation, but it's in crisis after Pope Francis sacked the entire top management in November over allegations of bullying. Tom Kington, who is based in Rome, has met the man tasked with sorting out the mess. His name is Alistair Dunton, and Tom's interviewed him for the Times of London. I caught up with Tom earlier. He told me more about him. He's um, originally an ICI engineer from Huddersfield. He uh, got a religious calling, trained to become a priest, did four years, and then decided he was going to get married. So he no longer pushed on with his his training. However, by that time, he was much involved in charity work with the church. And from the late 90s onwards, he's been working with Caritas. Um, So, for example, he led their first response to the 2004 uh, tsunami in Sri Lanka. And since then, he's been involved in handling crises in many countries, Iraq, Ethiopia, South Sudan, Syria, Haiti, Indonesia, you name it, he's been there. He's bringing um, what he described as sort of listening, open style of management. He said that um, in his previous job, he didn't even have a desk in his office because he would just sort of roam around and, and interact with people. And he said that he would be trying to help people come together to make decisions. So very much a kind of hands on trusting style of management, which sounds like the complete opposite of what had been going on at Caritas before. Now, my favourite part of this article, Laura, has to be the final quote from Alistair as he sort of explains about his strong religious faith despite giving up the chance to be a priest. He says, the Jesuits are my Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. Priceless. From waiting tables in London to buying satellites and drones for his country's army, Ukrainian comedian Serhii Petrula has raised $120 million to date and revolutionised how Ukraine fights Russia. So how has he managed it? Well, he asks on social media, and the impressive achievement is explained in Maxim Tucker's article in today's times. He explains how he has this amazing base with Serhei's 1.5 million followers on Facebook and a cool 2 million on Insta and Twitter. So when his charity foundation puts out a plea that the Ukrainian army needs a special bit of kit, people's donations come flooding in. So what has he been responsible for buying? Well, his latest purchase has been kamikaze drones. They can hit oil depots and other targets deep inside Russia. And he's also been asked by Ukraine's defence minister, no less, to find a satellite for them. Where do you even start thinking about buying a satellite? I have absolutely no idea. I wouldn't even begin to know. Well, he told Maxim how he responded to that particular request. First, I thought that maybe it's some kind of joke because I, I had no experience uh, satellites before and mm-hmm. no one in my foundation had no such experience. And mm-hmm. I really didn't know any person who have a uh, connection to, to this business. I said, okay, we will try uh, and we start to dig. But of course, things aren't always simple. This request for the satellite came about after Serhei raised $20 million to buy three combat drones. The money was raised in just one day. And the effort was so impressive, the manufacturers of the drones decided to give Ukraine the equipment free of charge. So what was all that money going to be spent on instead? This was Serhei's dilemma, which then led to the request for a satellite. So 
cut to next scene. As the team worked to find this military-grade material, a lot of chatter was happening behind the scenes on social media. So he explains what people were saying. Where did you spend our money? Some idiots start to talk that Pretula bought a house in uh, Alps. Another one said that I bought something on Maldives Islands. Another one said that the head of our foundation, Anna, had a penthouse on the Bogdana Khmelnytsko Street in the center of Kiev. To keep silence, to shut up and to keep silence because I was really afraid that if someone will know uh, how we, uh, what, what we want to buy, so so Russians will do everything to destroy okay. my plan. Yeah, so you have to keep it secret the whole time. Of course, yeah. of course. Such an effort being made there to the war effort in Ukraine. And his only hope, I have only one dream, to stay alive to the victory. I don't know the next time the Russian missiles will strike. I don't think about it. Friday afternoon here at the Foreign Desk with editor Mike Smith. Tell me what's going to feature in tomorrow's paper. Ron DeSantis has come out fighting after his bungled campaign launch this week. Uh, We're in Dunedin in Florida, his hometown. We've spoken to residents who think the local hero may not have what it takes to get to the White House. Okay, Laura, what could we be talking about here, I wonder? It's a sport that can be played for all. Next thing you know, you get into it and it's under your skin and it's, it's that sort of sport. It's just a sport I feel that if more people had opportunity to give a chance, we'd have more people playing. Once the most popular sport in England is now facing a recovery plan as players continue to fall in numbers and clubs close their doors. Now, we're talking about lawn bowls. And did you know, Jenny... In the Middle Ages, in 1361, it was banned by Edward III because he feared men were spending too much time playing it rather than (laughs) practising archery. Well, you cut to present day and the job in hand now is to find younger players and move away from the white, middle-aged, retired image that the sport has. So a campaign's been launched by Bowls England to attract a new generation of players to reverse the trend. Andrew Newell is the CEO of the Bowls team, the Reggae Rollers, He says there's one major issue, though, which needs to be addressed. When I was growing up, it was more accessible to see where now you'll probably see it maybe twice a year. Well, not even twice a year. You'll see it once when everybody knows the indoor. And then the Commonwealth Games, which is like the biggest sort of outdoor bowls event, you'll only see that maybe once every four years, depending on the timing of where it's being held. So for this country anyway, there isn't any bowls on TV, so it's not as accessible. So people don't know the sport. Well, I think they've got time. There's a revival currently underway in Australia and let's hope that rubs off on this country before the 2026 Commonwealth Games. There's around two years to get people moving. And that's it for today. We're back tomorrow.